had to put masks back on. It's compulsory now. Only found out this week we're not actually allowed to stand up uh, now, even during singing, even though we're not singing. Um, and obviously we can't sing out loud, can't uh, pray out loud together. And uh, given the current situation, we also need to be back in the discouraging us from mingling. That's why you have to stay seated. So just be aware after church not to be, you know, gathering outside, taking a long time to decide what you're going to do for lunch and so on. This might be the time to either decide beforehand and also go into small groups if you're going to go into to places to eat or be careful. Um, yeah, really thank you for your patience. It's a really tough time, but I think you'll agree that compared to a lot of places in the world, we are really blessed. So let's, um, let's keep at it, church. Um, if you're new, my name is Pete, and I'm the lead pastor of this church. So good to have you join us. Now, I want you to, uh, everyone to bring out their smartphones. Hopefully everyone has one. We're going to do a bit of an activity. We're going to go on Menti. Do you guys know what Menti is? We're going to form a word cloud. So everyone go to menti.com. Um, and, sorry, I need the clicker. I didn't bring the clicker. But um, we'll show you a code, and that's the code to use. And the question I want you to think about is, what will you do after COVID? First, first thing that comes to mind, what will you do after COVID? Okay, there's the, you can also use the QR code. But uh, what we're going to do is, uh, once, once, a few, once we've, most of us have got into that, uh, we're going to see a live word cloud. Hopefully it's the work. We've never done this at church before. Um, and the question is, and you can enter more than once. So we're going to see what we come up with, what is the thing that you immediately think of when you think of post-COVID, whenever that is and what you're going to do. So I'm going to do this as well. Okay, cool. All right, there's, you can do up to five options, but you don't have to do five. All right, so let's go. Uh, everyone got the code? We'll leave that up for a few more seconds, and then we'll go to the live word cloud. Okay. All right, let's go to the live word cloud. Let's see how we go. I've submitted mine. Have people started putting in this? Is it supposed to be live? It is, right? No? No? Not happening? Is there another mode we have to go into? <laughs> I've never done this on... Nah. Oh, it's happening. Oh, here we go. Yay. Okay. Except they choose really funny font colors. Oh, hold on. Let's go back there. Yeah. Okay. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Let's just see how we go. Um, yeah. Travel is a big one. Wow. Sing at church, travel, not wear a mask. No, no. Keep coming. Can we go back? Can we keep looking at it? That's it? Yeah, let's just, let's just keep looking at that. Yeah. Sing, sleep, durian party, Stephen Coe. Uh, yeah, actually, there's a lot of travel, isn't there? Even the smaller fonts, uh, for smaller entries. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Um, you know, at the end of last year, we were thinking it might be sooner than we thought we could do some of these things. And then now... Given the situation, even with vaccine coming, it's hard to imagine what life after COVID is. Um, but the natural reaction, I, I would, and I think it's, it's, it's shown by this, after such a big upheaval that COVID is, um, 2020, potentially 2021 as well, um, the natural reaction to any sort of big upheaval is what? We kind of want to look after ourselves, right? We want to do the stuff that we want to do. Uh, we want to get back to life as normal. We want to rebuild. You want to look inwards. Now, let me tell you about the book of Haggai and why we're doing it. Give you a bit of context. The book of Haggai, um, when Haggai wrote in 520 BC or BCE, 70 years before that, there was not just a national upheaval, but an international upheaval. You see, there were movements in the ancient Near East of empires that came, that destroyed other empires and other nations, um, and also in turn got replaced. So 70 years previous for the people of God, there was a natural, there was a, sorry, there was a national uh, crisis. Them as the people of God, Israel, 
got uh, wiped out essentially by the Babylonian Empire. Uh, people were carried off into exile. Uh, so think of the kind of thing that happened in World War II, uh, also to, to the Jewish nation. Um, destruction, um, exile, that was 70 years previous. Now, 20 years ago from where Haggai was written, so 50 years after exile, a new empire came on the world scene called the Persian Empire that replaced the Babylonians. And the king, uh, Cyrus, actually decreed, quite surprisingly, that they could now return to their land. So that happened 20 years before Haggai. Now, during the exile, while they were there for 50 or so years, God was still with his people in Babylon. He sustained them, especially through prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. And all that time, they were looking forward to the time when God said, you will go back to your land. I will bring you back. And now this time was, was come. And, and, and the time that they would come back to their land, God spoke of it as the dawning of a new age. Right, things would not just go back to normal, they would be better than even before. And key to that was going to be the rebuilding of the center of their religious life in the capital Jerusalem, which is the temple. Right, so that was 20 years previous to Haggai writing. But instead, 18 years onwards, 20 years almost onwards, we see at the beginning of Haggai, don't we? God actually has an indictment against His people. Look at Haggai chapter 1, verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say... Now, when God says these people, you know that He's not happy with them. All right? It's like in our family when uh, the kids are in trouble. Karen always says, your son, your daughter. It's not our kids anymore. It's my kids when they play up. When God says these people, it's not a good thing. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. 18 years after they'd returned, they were saying, nope, it's not time to rebuild the temple yet. Verse 4 tells us what they did instead. God continues, he says, Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? In other words, they've been getting busy building, but it's to take care of their own houses. Now, it's understandable, isn't it? After a national crisis and upheaval, they're finally back. They've got to, you know, look after themselves. They've got to take care of, try and restore life to what it used to be. Look after their own families, their own houses, their own properties. It is understandable and natural, but not if you are God's people, you see. And if you have faith in God's promises, what seems like the natural thing to do is not the right thing to do. Now, this is the reason why we chose the book of Haggai. I hope you see there's parallels to our situation. What are you going to do as you think about what life might be like, hopefully in 2021, after a crisis and upheaval like COVID? What are we going to do? What are we going to choose? So that's why we're doing the book of Haggai this week and next week. Now, before we very quickly say, well, this is what Haggai means for us now, what we need to be doing, and anytime you read the Bible, it's always a good rule of thumb, always think, the first question isn't, what does it mean? The first question is always, what did it mean? Because the Bible comes to us in certain times and places, we have to understand what did it mean to the people then before we apply. So that's what we're going to do. I've got three points. Firstly, we're going to look at God's Word then. Let me pray, and then we'll get into it. And if you've been following on the digital outlines, you'll be able to see it as well. Let's pray and commit our time to God. Father God, as we think about the upheaval that 2020 has been and 2021 potentially will still be, we long to hear what it means for us. As we look through this book of Haggai, help us to see what you have to say to us today through what you said to the people back then. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Haggai is a very short book. It is the kind of book that you may not have even noticed at the back of your Bible. I always have difficulty finding it. Um, and there's four prophecies in this short two chapters that occur in a really short period of time. Four prophecies over about three and a half month period. And even though Haggai is such a small, you know, potentially insignificant book by our standards, it's actually one of the most significant prophets that God uses. Along with Zechariah, Haggai and Zechariah actually succeed. Now, if you know anything about Old Testament prophets, it's not a good... If God calls you to be an Old Testament prophet, you want to think twice about becoming one because most of them 
prophesy things, speak on behalf of God, and no one pays attention. Haggai is one of the exceptions. So this is quite a remarkable book, what happens as a result. As I said, the year is 520 BC or BCE. And in 538 BC, 18 years previously, the Babylonian Empire, which had destroyed Israel and carried them off into exile, itself was replaced by the Persian Empire. And as I said, in 538, Cyrus, the king of Persia, decreed their return. The exile was ended. Things were going to start looking up. But as I said, 18 years on, in 520, they said in verse 2, remember, these people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. How they read the situation, how they read the time was, well, now all of this has happened, we've returned, this is now time to lick our wounds. It's time to just survive. It's time to rebuild everything that we lost. It's time to take care of our own. In other words, it's time to look inwards. It's a very natural reaction. It's what we would want to do after an upheaval like that or an upheaval like COVID. But look what God says. God says, no, that's the wrong time. You're misreading the time. And it's the wrong way. You're misreading the way. See, now God says, is in fact the time to live by faith in my promises. Now, right at the center of chapter 1 is verses 7 and 8. So let's have a look at those verses again. Follow with me on your Bibles. Verse 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. All right, you're doing the wrong way. Give careful thought to them. Verse 8. Instead, go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it. And be honored, says the Lord. All right, they were going to look inwards. God says, nah, instead, look upwards and look outwards. You got that? Look upwards and look outwards. Firstly, look upwards. All throughout Haggai, God is um, addressed as or is named as the Lord Almighty or literally Yahweh of hosts. Hosts can mean armies. It can mean angelic armies, or it could also mean the hosts of heavens, as in, you know, stars. Either way, the impression when you see Lord Almighty, the impression you're supposed to get is that God is the absolute ruler and sovereign over all powers, earthly and heavenly, right? When you look upwards and you see He is the Lord of hosts, that should change the way you see your time and what you do. And this is especially significant because at this point in history, in that world back then, earthly powers have just been overturned. We've had the Babylonians come and go. We've had the Persians. And then even within this time, you've had um, uh, different Persian kings vying for power. And now we've got Darius, a new Persian king, finally beginning to secure his power. It's a lot of uncertainty. It's like a bit of like the, the interchange between uh, President Trump and Biden at this time when there's a change of government. There's a lot of uncertainty. And God wants to say, if you look at me, you'll realize who is the true king of all, the Lord of hosts. So look upwards, look to him. Secondly, look outwards. Now I might be thinking, hang on, why is building the temple looking outwards? It's sort of like a, another way of looking inwards, just inwards nationally, you know, to God's priorities, but it's still looking at us. It's our temple. But you see, if you understand how important the temple is, not just to God's people Israel, but in the Old Testament, how the temple was always designed to be God's way of blessing the world, you'd understand why this is a look outwards. Let me just give you a quick rundown of how the temple idea is used in the whole Bible. It actually begins in Genesis. You see, when you read Genesis 2 and the picture of the Garden of Eden, you know, when God created everything and everything was perfect and God dwelt in the midst of His people and put them in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. Do you know the garden in Genesis is pictured as a garden temple? And Adam was like a priest in the garden temple. The way that God designed the world was always to be, uh, to be amongst His people in a garden temple and through that blessing would flow to outside of Eden. Now, of course, sin came and, and destroyed everything and wrecked God's plan to be right in the midst of His people. And so when He rescued them from Egypt and they came out as a nation in the Exodus, 
what God promised, and even the way that He arranged the people and the way that they were to march towards the promised land was that He would be in their midst. There would be a tabernacle, which is a big tent, that would be the kind of prefigurement of a temple. Because again, God wants to restore what He had created all the way back in the garden. And of course, when they got into the land and they set up their capital, there was to be a temple right there. Again, why? Because God wanted to dwell in the midst of His people. But He would do so in order that the nations, right, those outside of the land would be blessed. As God was in the midst of His people, they would be so attractive like a magnet that the Old Testament pictures the nations would come and stream and want to know God. So the, the building of the temple is not just about you know, God restoring worship of His people in the land. It was always about how God was going to fulfill His plan to reverse the effects of sin so that the world could one day have the presence of God in it for all nations. Right? That's the significance of the temple. And so when God says, rebuild my house, that's what He has in mind. It's a, actually a look outwards. So what you understand as the time will affect what you do, and that's God's word against His people. You've read the time wrong, and therefore you've done the wrong thing. Now, we kind of know that, right? What, what you think is the time right now will affect what you do. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the show or heard of the show Doomsday Preppers. Uh, all right, it's apparently a show that's been on various streaming platforms, and um, basically it's, it's, it's a reality show highlighting families that think the world's really going to end and so they will um, figure out this is what you would need to survive and so they, these people would have bunkers and, and they would uh, stock up on all these various things. Here's one particular family who literally takes this seriously uh, and the reason why they do this is because they really think the world's going to end. They think this is a time, the apocalypse, where if we don't stock up, Right? We're going to be caught by surprise. What they think is the time will affect what they do. Now, of course, the, um, the reverse is true, or the converse is true. What you do now will show you what you really think of as a time. All right? Now, whether or not you hoarded toilet paper when things started getting bad, or in Queensland, apparently, they started to hoard toilet paper again, when people start hoarding toilet paper, it, it shows, doesn't it, what they think is the situation with COVID. Now, by and large, even though 2020 was so disruptive in COVID, do you know what? For the majority of us, and I know people in our congregations, um, we still lived with hope. We still live with hope that there would be a time out of COVID. We weren't the doomsday preppers. And I know this because even amongst our church, there were those of you who still studied. The majority of you who studying still studied. You still went to work. Uh, lots of you bought cars and property. Right? Now, you wouldn't do any of those things if you really had the point of view of the doomsday preppers that you thought the world was going to end, right? Because what we do shows what time we think it is, and what time we think it is will affect what we do. Again, for people in Haggai's day, what they did was they neglected the building of the temple. What they did was instead they turned inwards and took care of their own houses and made sure that they were set up. And, and the whole idea of paneled houses is the idea that they didn't just build their houses. I mean, God's not being cruel or harsh, or you can't even build your houses. No, they started doing renos on their houses 18 years onwards, and God's house had remained a ruin. And God says, because you've done that, it shows that you think the time is what contrary to what it is. This is the wrong way, the wrong time. You didn't really believe. And instead, point number 1B, give careful thought. Now, that's a phrase that comes up a couple of times in chapter 1. Now, I'll just give you a bit of a structure of verses 5 to 11. There's a bit of a sandwich thing going on. Talk about sandwich structures a lot at this church when you're looking at the Bible. There's a sandwich thing going on here. The center of this chapter is verses 7 and 8, which we read earlier, when God says, this is what you should do instead. But you'll see on either side of verses 7 and 8, this kind of sandwich, the bread of the sandwich, God is going to say, look, you need to have a look at what's going on, at what I'm doing. So verses 5 to 6 and verses 9 to 11 basically say the same thing. So let's have a look at what God is saying for them to give careful thought to. Verses 5 and 6, look again. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. That's pretty apt because 
Um, this happened at a time, this prophecy we know happened at a time just before harvest. See, God is saying, if you look around, you will see that you've been experiencing deprivation. You've been deprived rather than being in bounty. Your whole harvest has essentially failed. And you need to give careful thought to that. Or in other translations, think carefully about it or consider. God's saying, don't just see, don't just miss what's going on. Don't miss and not be aware that there is a deeper significance to the events happening, even with your own harvest. Why are you experiencing these things? God is saying to them. So let's look at the other side of the sandwich, verse 9. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Right? God is very clear. He's taking responsibility for what's happening. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the field and the mountains, on the grains, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Take a look around, give careful thought, pay attention, and you'll see that these things are not just accidents. And we know they're not just accidents because it reminds us of a very important uh, prophecy from the prophet Amos who actually said these things before the people even went to exile. Look, look what Amos said. Amos said, the words of God, I gave you empty stomachs in every city and lack of bread in every town, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld rain from you when the harvest was still three months away, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. He goes on, Many times I struck your gardens and your vineyards, destroying them with blight and mildew. Locusts devoured your fig and your olive trees, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Pay attention, God is saying. These deprivations are discipline. God is intimately involved in what's happening to you, he's saying to his people. He's trying to get your attention. He wants you to see that these are no accidents, that they're happening because he wants you to turn back to him. And in their case, it's to get going with the rebuilding of the temple. There's a bit of a wordplay there. When he says you're experiencing drought, the Hebrew word is korev, and the word play is on the word ruin because my temple is in ruins, charev, right? You're experiencing charev because my temple is in charev, right? God is saying, pay attention to what's going on. All right, so that's essentially the first part of Haggai, God's word then to his people. Before we turn to how they respond, let's have a look at what God might be saying to us today, right? Remember, we talk about what God said uh, what God uh, was saying to the, his people back then before we talk about what he's saying to us now. So what's God's word to us? Well, again, I want to come up to the idea of the time and the way. See, what we think of the time affects what we do, and what we do reveals what we think the time is. So for those of us here in 2021, followers of Jesus especially, but in fact, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, what does the Bible say our time is? Well, the New Testament is clear. We now live in the age of fulfillment. All that the prophets, including Haggai, spoke about is fulfilled with the coming of the Lord Jesus. I mean, just the idea of temple. Remember I talked about how important the temple idea is all the way from the Garden of Eden in Genesis? Well, Jesus, when he comes as Emmanuel, God with us, he actually is the fulfillment of God's temple presence in the world. And those who trust in Jesus share in the new age of God's presence with his people. In fact, his presence comes in to our midst, into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This is the beginning of the new creation, we're told in 2 Corinthians. Right? That's the time we're in. We're in the age of fulfillment. And yet, you've also got to understand the New Testament pictures our time as this now and not yet. The, the kind of in-between period. So that bit. Right, between Jesus' first coming to die on the cross for our sins and rise again as king, the age of fulfillment, yet until he returns, his second coming, the present age and the new age overlap 
exist together. We are in what's called the now and the not yet. And the Bible says that tension, that overlap, right, is, is the way to, the most important way that we actually make sense of our time. Now, the New Testament calls this time the last days. And you might be thinking, hang on, Jesus came like 2,000 years ago. We've been in the last days for 2,000 years. That's a pretty long last days. It feels like a long time, I know. But not if you take God's perspective, right? From the perspective of the history of the universe and the Lord of hosts who stands above and beyond time, as the Bible says, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. But we are in these last days. And the New Testament have passage after passage urging us to understand, if you understand this time, you will understand what way you're supposed to live. I'm just going to show you two. First one is from Romans chapter 13. Look what it says about what life for followers of Jesus in the last days should look like. He says, and do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Right? This is the present time. The dawn has come. We live in the overlap of the ages, but we are in the last days. And this is the kind of life followers of Jesus that we ought to live. Um, it reminds me of Jesus' parables in, in Matthew and Luke, particularly, about how he is like the master and he is going away, leaving his servants in charge. And while you're waiting for the master to return, it's going to happen any time, you have to be faithful. You have to be ready. So here's the application. Ask yourself, if Jesus returned, would I be happy to be found doing what I'm doing, watching what I'm watching, reading what I'm reading, thinking what I'm thinking, speaking what I'm speaking at the very moment of his return? That's, that's a hard question to, to answer, isn't it? Like at every moment of your life, whether you are sleeping, having a holiday, working, spending time with your family, having fun, would you be happy for Jesus to return at that very moment and find you doing, thinking, speaking, reading, watching exactly what you're doing? right at that time. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't have leisure and recreation and enjoyment because God tells us to. That's, you know, that's all part of his plan for us. But let's admit, there's going to be times where if we really thought serious about that question, we'd be like, no, actually, if, if Jesus was going to return at this time, I probably wouldn't be doing or doing quite as much of what I am doing right now. Do you see what I mean? That's a good question to ask if you really understand that time that you're in. So that's Romans 13. The next passage I want to share with you also speaks of the time. And it's, it's a short one from Colossians. It says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And the reason why um, I'm picking this one, because literally, it's redeem the time. Right? Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, redeeming the time. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. In 1 Peter chapter 3, we're told that, and you might be wondering, why is Jesus not returning? Why is this the overlap of the ages? Why doesn't he come back and make everything new right now? Well, the reason 1 Peter 3 says is because he's patient. And he wants people to turn back to him while there's still time. And so if we live in this time, we understand what time it is. We don't want to be the person still dining and dancing on the Titanic when it's already begun to sink. And there's a limited number of lifeboats and time to get yourself and help others get on that lifeboat. If we understand the time, we will think very carefully about those who don't know Jesus. All right, and that leads me to my next point. Give careful thought. God says, if you understand the time, you will live a certain way. And so give careful thought. Do not live the unexamined life. You see, God is still intimately involved in the world. 
And you need to know that God is as involved today as he was in Haggai's day. And so when you look around you, how do you interpret things like COVID? And even beyond COVID, how do you interpret? I mean, a year ago, we had the terrible bushfires. A few days ago, we saw the storming of the capital in Washington. And I think a lot of people are seeing this, that the whole world is really in upheaval. And that's just an indication. How do you read that? You need to know that that's also God's way of getting our attention. Anytime things like COVID, disasters, tragedies happen, it's God saying, wake up, look, pay attention. Don't just live the unexamined life. In, in Luke chapter 13, we won't look it up, but after a couple of disasters, Jesus told the people of his day, when you see suffering happen, the question you must ask yourself is, what is God telling me about repenting? Because he's giving us time to notice and repent before it's too late. Are you doing that? If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, do you know that Jesus loves you? He came for you Christmas 2,000 years ago. He died for you. He rose again for you. He wants to be part of your life. He wants to forgive your sins. He wants to give you eternal life. And he has not come back because he wants you to respond to him while there's still time. Have you done that? Especially if 2020 has rocked your world. At the beginning of uh, 2021, so many people on Facebook and other places were just so happy to get rid of 2020. You know, a lot of stuff is like, good riddance, so glad it's over. We kind of want to dump 2020 like you do with a council cleanup day. Just kind of put it on the side of the road, be gone. Now, I think the Bible would say, Jesus would say, that would be a grave mistake. Not that we want to relive 2020, but it would be such a waste of 2020 and all that's gone on, and 2021 perhaps, if we live unexamined lives and aren't seeing that God is using these events, upheavals, world-shattering events, to shake us out of our complacency, to give us time and remind us to respond, to so give careful thought. That's God's word to us now. My third point, let's have a look at how God's people responded, and then we'll also look at how we respond. Now we see, strangely, a model response. As I said, Haggai is one of the prophets that actually succeeded. Look at verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord." Right? They acted, quite surprisingly, because again, if you read the Old Testament, this like hardly ever happens. But they did obey. And the second thing they did was they feared the Lord, it says. Now, it's not fear of punishment. What fear means in this context is appropriate response to God, who He is, and what He said. Remember verse 8 when God said, I want you to build my house, the temple, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. When it says that they feared the Lord, it means that they took that seriously. They wanted to please God and honor God, which is actually an appropriate thing. If you are the subjects of the King of Kings, you want to please Him and you want to bring glory to Him. And so they feared Him in that way and obeyed. And they're called the remnant here, by the way. Remember at the beginning, God says, these people, Yeah. These people is a bad, bad title that God gives them. But now he calls them my remnant, the remnant. That's a purified and faithful remnant of people that I, places like Isaiah talks about. It's actually a good term when Isaiah talks about the remnant. It's a remnant um, that, are, that, are, that are going to be saved and returned to the land are going to be faithful to the Lord. Right? That's how God sees them now because of this response. And their model response, well, that also brought about God's response. You see what God says now in verse 13? Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Such a nice ending to the chapter. It's one of the happy endings in the prophets. Not many of them, as I said. But you see what God did? He acted, 
He stirred up their spirits. They were united. And they went and did what they were supposed to do. In other words, revival happened. Right? This is one of the examples of the Old Testament of what we would now call revival. When God works His renewing presence in His people together. Now we'll see more of uh, God and His promises next week as we go into chapter 2. But um, just a bit of a flash forward. They eventually did rebuild the temple remarkably in five years. Right? It took them 18 years to get started properly. And they did it in five years' time. But you need to know also, as you get to the end of the Old Testament, past Haggai um, and right into Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, you'll need to know that the Old Testament closes and this temple they built is actually not the temple that God promised and the significance of the temple that He promised in places like Ezekiel. As I said, the age of fulfillment wasn't until Jesus would come, and that's 500 years away when God's presence would actually come in the person of Jesus, right? They built this temple in obedience to the Lord, but they would never see the fulfillment of God's promises and prophecies for, well, they would never see it in their lifetime. It would be 500 years before Jesus came on the scene. But here's the thing, right? The faithful, if you're really faithful to God, you don't allow that and the waiting and the fact that you don't see Him come through for you in your time, you don't allow that to be an excuse not to obey, You continue to obey because that's what God wants you to do right now and you trust that He will fulfill His promises maybe at a time far beyond you. Again, we'll look at that idea more next week. Okay, so that's them, the remnant. What about us? Now, as I said, we live in that overlap of the ages, the now and not yet. So though we live on the other side of fulfillment, Jesus, we are still waiting, right? We're still waiting for Jesus to return. And so those parables that Jesus says when the master goes away and leaves us, His servants, that's for us now. So the choice we all have, if you're a follower of Jesus, is this. You can wait, because we're all waiting. You can wait faithfully, like a good servant. Or you can wait unfaithfully. That's the choice. You all have to wait. Are you going to do it faithfully or unfaithfully? Now, I want to let you know that for most followers of Jesus, being unfaithful is not abandoning the faith totally. Right? The, The people who do that. But for most followers of Jesus, the unfaithful waiting is shown not by abandoning the faith, but that quiet, subtle, inward turn. You got that? The thing that comes so naturally when you've been through an upheaval of life and of the world, that quiet, inward turn. And you know what? COVID is one of the major factors for God's people to make that quiet, inward turn. Because COVID has put a lot of us out of discipline, out of routine, church life has been difficult, but it's also meant that I can fit church life around me a lot easier, right? Even for no good reasons, I can, you know, sometimes just so much easier just to live stream when, rather than come in person, not because of any concerns about COVID or health reasons, just because it's easier, right? It's so easy to turn inwards, isn't it? Also, there's not just a COVID thing, it's, it's, it's a stage of life thing. I don't know if you noticed, but actually at key turning points of our lives, key turning points, the transition points of our lives, that's when it's most tempting to just kind of subtly turn in words and just look after yourself. What key turning points are they? Well, it's when you go from school to uni, when you go from university to work, when you go from being single to married, when you go from being married without kids to married with kids, when you go from working to retirement. These are key turning points. And I can tell you now, as a pastor, those places are the places we see most where people begin to either walk away completely, but I think the majority don't walk away. They just turn inwards. It's so easy at those points to think, well, I've done my bit. I've done the youth group thing. Well, I used to serve. I used to give. But, you know, I've done that. I've now earned my break because this next stage of life means that I have to build my paneled houses, whatever that is. Sometimes it's literal. I've done my dues. I've served in ministry. I've served as a leader. I've served as an elder. I've served as a, I don't know what it is. And now it's time for me to retire from serving. You see what that is? That subtle inward turn that comes with stage of life transitions. Now, if that's you, then I want to say to you, God's word in Haggai to you 
is so relevant, isn't it? John Piper says, Pastor John Piper says, don't make the aim of your life about retiring comfortably so that you can collect seashells or paneled houses. Because we won't be able to face the Lord Jesus on Judgment Day when He returns and say, hey, look at the shells I've collected. And Jesus, do you like the reno I did on my house? And wasn't it good that I took that promotion? Because I really furthered my career. None of that matters in eternity, does it? Don't get busy prioritizing your pleasures while there is still a world headed to hell. You know that, right? This is the time we're in. Jesus will come back soon. Or we could die and face him very soon. And there's only one way to be right with God, and it's through Jesus. Don't get comfortable with your sin. Remember Romans 13? The deeds of darkness. When you live in the last days, you don't want to be caught surprised when Jesus could return at any time. Right? That's what the inward turn looks like. That's our temptation. And God is telling you today, perhaps, be really careful as you wait. Instead of looking inwards, look upwards, look outwards. Right? We're going to actually flesh that out, not just in Haggai next week, but as we come up to the beginning of the year, we always have a Vision Sunday. The theme, actually, this year is going to be upwards, outwards, onwards. Hear more of that later. But I want to remind you that Invitation Month is happening. And no, I don't know how it's going to work with COVID. <laughs> but I want you to start thinking about people you can invite. Right? To make the most of looking outwards right at the beginning of the year. But not just Invitation Month. It's thinking about how would you like to be involved this year? What goals do you have for growing you and growing your church and being involved in the lives of others? Look outwards, look upwards. And of course, pray. I read the end of Haggai and my spirit is stirred because I so want that to happen to us. We're at the end of Haggai when God's people obeyed because God stirred in their hearts as one to obey. That, that, that thing called revival is such a precious thing. When God, Imagine if God could do that in our church, in our city, in our nation, in our world this year. Maybe because of COVID, to stir God's people to really, really seek Him and look outwards. We truly would not have wasted 2020 if that's the case. Now, if you are passionate about that, and I hope you are, then will you pray with me? And will you be committed to praying regularly for that? Again, Thursday night's revival prayer meeting on Zoom. Right? That's when we get together every week to be praying about that kind of thing. God, to stir up our hearts, and not just ours, but the people of our world, our city, our nation, so that we can actually see revival happen. Let's pray. Father, we ask, as we've heard from Haggai, that we might be passionate about what you're passionate about. We might not look inwards at the things that we want to build for ourselves, even though it's so tempting and so natural at this juncture. We've experienced so much upheaval. Instead, fathers, help us look outwards and upwards. I really pray for our church at SWEC, all congregations, and all of our people, whether they're here in person or listening live stream. Father, would you stir in us at all stages of our lives that this might be a people stirred up by your spirit to live faithfully for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus the name above every other name 
Jesus, the only one that could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Matt and the band for leading us in worship. So today we've heard we've heard a lot of heavy words, and I think thanks, Pete, for your sermon and for challenging us. And uh, I just want to leave with you two two things. Two things. So the first thing, I guess, ironically to what Pete said, um, in your own time as you go home today, 
I want you guys to be doing what Peter said, to be thinking about your life, in some ways thinking inwards, but not in a selfish way, to give careful thought to your ways and what you have been doing um, this year and what you will continue to do in this year. Uh, Pete challenged us to, um, you know, from God's word to wait faithfully. What does that look like for you? And, you know, that's a really, really hard question, right? It's, it's such a big question. And for me, like when I approach big questions like that, the easiest thing to do is to think a bit and to give up. But you have all come here today, whether you're here in person or, in tr- or, or uh, listening in on the live stream, whether you're here for the first time or you're here for the hundredth time, you've come here to, today to church. There are people around you, and even if you're, um, you're, you're listening in with us from uh, live stream, there are, there are people in this church who care about you, and these questions are hard to answer, aren't they? That's why we're a church community. We, we build our lives together. And so I want to encourage you. Unfortunately, I can't, in good conscience, encourage you to have a conversation right here and now because of social distancing. But I want you to, to think about who you can ask these tough questions with today. Even if you're online, if you can reach out to someone, to someone you know, be intentional to talk to them and to build that community. And I also know for a lot of you guys, you, whether you're new or even if you've been here a long time, a lot of you guys might not feel like you have that comfortable relationship in church. You don't have that person to talk to. And again, I just want to encourage you as part of God's community, try, I want you to try reach out to someone if you feel like that. There are people in this church who will always be willing to listen, to care about you. Even if you feel like You've never made that level of relationship in church before. You've never felt welcome. You've never felt part like that. Let me challenge you with that. And as we think about that last thing of looking outwards to other people, just those two last reminders, next month, continue to think outwards. Think about who you can invite to uh, the sermon series, who might need to I hear these Bible talks. And also the last thing, continue to pray for our world together as a church community. Come to our Thursday night Zooms to uh, pray with us for, to build God's kingdom together. So on that note, how about I send us out with a blessing? The love of the Lord Jesus draw you to himself. The power of the Lord Jesus strengthen you in his service. The joy of the Lord Jesus fill your hearts. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. So it was great to see you here uh, in person. And it was great to have you join us as well uh, from wherever you're listening. And I hope you guys have a great week.